Thank you for joining us on the first Sunday in Lent. Almighty God, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted of Satan, make speed to help thy servants who are assaulted by manifold temptations, and as thou knowest their several infirmities, let each one find thee mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated for the reading. First reading is from Deuteronomy. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, let's read together Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. He shall say to the Lord, You are my refuge and my stronghold, my God in whom I put my trust, because you have made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your habitation. There shall no evil happen to you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the adder. You shall trample the young lion and the serpent under your feet. Because he is bound to me in love, therefore will I deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I am with him in trouble. I will rescue him and bring him to honor. 
with long life will I satisfy him and show myself Our second reading is from Romans. The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart, that is, the word of faith that we proclaim, because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth, and so is saved. The scripture says, No one who believes in him will be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. After his baptism, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those forty days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me. And I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God, and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. The devil had finished every test. He departed from him until an opportune time. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please be seated. Temptation is a universal experience. It's probably an experience that all of us, every single one of us, has on a daily basis. Remember that quote attributed to Churchill, don't worry about avoiding temptation. As you grow older, it will avoid you. (laughs) 
Of course, this isn't really true. Temptation may change over the course of a lifetime, but it never really goes away. One of the challenges we have as people of faith is to think about temptation and how it affects us. Temptation is not a moral failing. It is not because we have temptation does not mean that we are bad people. It is, in fact, indicative of this, and we know that it is not a moral failing because even Jesus himself, as we heard in the gospel today, was tempted. The gospel says after his baptism, Jesus, full of the Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Now, this scene is reflective of many things. First of all, that 40 days is reflective of the 40 years in which Moses spent in the wilderness with the people of Israel. It is reflective of the 40 days in which there was the flood. That theme that has been carried on through Scripture is now found in this passage where Jesus, in solitude and fasting, is tempted. This passage is probably one of the most interesting chapters recorded in Jesus' life, primarily because it is the only place where we have Jesus having a one-on-one confrontation with the devil or interaction with the devil. But it's also interesting because of the, at the core of it is how it is relatable to our human state. One interesting piece of this is how Jesus is tempted when hungry. Now that's helpful in our own way because it is a reminder that vulnerability is a factor in human temptation. In those moments in which we are feeling beaten down, tired, angry, or what have you, it is those moments in which we are the most vulnerable to fall into things that we may not want to fall into. The passage says that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit before being tempted. And that's another interesting part about the human condition is that temptation often becomes stronger the closer we get to God. You might have experienced this at some points in your own life. Maybe you're like finding a resurgence in worship and faith life, and that's the time in which these struggles and vulnerabilities grow stronger. Maybe you've just come back from a retreat or some time that you're having a spiritual high only to be hit by something that beats you down. This is why I believe that if you look back at the lives of many of the saints of over time, you can see that these saints have these major outstanding flaws. It is well known that Martin Luther King had mistresses. St. Benedict was such a curmudgeon, his own followers tried to murder him. Yeah, that's true. And even St. Peter did not want to eat with the Gentiles until God had to put it right in front of him. Now, all of these people did great things, and these are to be these great things are to be commended. But it shows that we human beings are complex and not one-dimensional. It also shows that no matter how good we are, no matter how hard we try, we are not Jesus. And this is the other interesting part of the passage, the temptation of self-doubt. 
You gotta love how the devil in this passage starts each one out. If you are the son of God, see I was putting that, just planting that little seed of doubt, right? You also notice that the devil uses lies in all of this, that none of these things are, well, half-truths. That's the most insidious part of that are those half-truths. Those things that feel like they could be true, but aren't, just aren't quite. But that self-doubt, that seed of self-doubt is planted in this story. It's this idea that while we can be tempted to do or think many things, this idea of imposter syndrome creeps into our lives. You guys know what imposter syndrome is? It's when you're really good at something and yet you still feel like a fraud. And that's probably something that even the most confident people feel at times. Self-doubt isn't just about thinking about where we are in our own lives. It also has a spiritual aspect. Because one of the most, one of the most powerful and devastating parts of self-doubt can be that self-doubt in our spiritual lives. It can tell us that maybe God doesn't even love us because of perhaps something we've done or we're failing somewhere, which of course is that lie. It's getting back to that untruth of temptation. Now, unlike Jesus, but like all the saints, we are all weak and frail. And it's good to remind ourselves of that. That the story of Jesus' temptation is a story of conquest, but that is not necessarily our own stories of temptation. Sometimes we overcome it, and sometimes we don't. That's a human condition. It should remind us to give grace to others when they fail, and it should remind us to give grace to ourselves as well. While we are redeemed by Christ, it doesn't mean we're off the hook either. Falling in temptation does sometimes mean that we end up hurting ourselves and others. And these are acts which require some degree of reconciliation. As we are entering the season of Lent, this first Sunday of Lent, in which we always sing the great, or say the great litany, Good Lord, deliver us. Is this season begins, it is a season of self-examination. And sometimes we do have to look at our lives and see where the harm we have, what is the harm we have done? Because that harm we've done, that is what sin is. As we pray in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. This is a cyclical pattern. And even the prayer that is written upon our hearts reminds us of the cyclical nature of sin, repentance, and forgiveness. When we sin, we have to apologize, but we also have to accept apologies of others. We have to forgive and make amends when possible. These cyclical acts are what remind us of the failings of all, ourselves and others. And we don't just do this for the sake of doing it, nor do we do it because we think it's going to give us a cookie or get us into heaven. In fact, it's Jesus that gets us into heaven. But we do this because we are called to imitate Christ. And Christ is the very embodiment of reconciliation. 
As St. Paul reminds us in Romans, the word is very near you on your hearts and on your lips. And he goes on to say, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. All of us fall into temptation. It is a human experience, one that even Jesus had. However, we have to remind ourselves too that we are not Jesus. And when we find ourselves falling into temptation, it is through Christ's temptation and not falling into sin that we know we can put our whole trust in his grace and mercy. Thank you for joining the St. John the Divine podcast. If you're interested in worshiping with us, you can visit us at 9 a.m. at our church, which is at 216 East Chandler Boulevard in Burlington, Wisconsin. If you want to learn more about us, you can click the link in the description or visit stjohnthedivine.org. Just remember, we're the one in Burlington, Wisconsin, not the cathedral in New York. Have a great day. Bye.